0: God. We are now in the book uh, or in the chapter known as the Lord's Prayer. Many of us think of the Lord's Prayer as the one that starts off as our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is actually Jesus's prayer given to the disciples So when we want to think of the Lord's Prayer, how does the Lord Jesus pray, we should think about John chapter 17. This is how Jesus prays. And just in case you were wondering, I went back to see when we started in the book of John. We started October 2021. So, we are almost two years. If, if there's a part of me that wants to just make it two years, stretch out this series all the way to October 2023. But that's how long you've been faithful to the Lord. If you've been in this service from the beginning, if you heard me go through John chapter 1, verse 1, can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. A lot of you praise God. So, we are now in John 17. This is the Lord's Prayer. And the reason why we call this the Lord's Prayer is because this is where He prays and lets us into the intimate relationship that he has with the Father. Now, if you have been keeping track with us, you know who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know that Jesus is equal to God, but yet Jesus is not the Father. So now when we hear Jesus praying, this should not be strange to us. There are two accusations that people continually bring up against us from other religions or from cults in Christianity, and they use this prayer to do it. And so I want to clarify it before we get into this beautiful prayer. The first thing that people bring up is, if Jesus was God, why does he pray? Those are similar things that we have already dealt with when he prays to the Father. It's the same kind of objection. If Jesus himself is God, why does he pray? The second objection is, is if Jesus is God and he's equal to the Father, why does he say the Father God is the only true God? That's what he says in this passage, that you are the only true God. So in other words, Jesus has a God. Now, once again, if you've been with us for any time, how many have heard these objections answered already? Okay few of you, why Jesus prays and why Jesus says the Father is his God. Let's just answer them quickly in review for you and for those who have joined at some point other than October 2021. Okay, so maybe you didn't hear some of these lessons that we went through. The first thing is Jesus prays because prayer is communication one person to another. We do not believe Jesus is the Father. So what do you want Jesus to be while he's on earth? An atheist, not talk to God the Father? Think about that. He's been in relationship according to those of us who believe the Trinity. He's been in relationship with the Father and Spirit for all eternity. Do we now expect Him not to talk to the Father? Do we expect Him not to have a relationship with Him? Prayer is a communication among people and respect and honor is given. Even the word can mean request. When we mean it in a religious sense, it is one towards someone you respect and honor and believe can hear you. Now, the Bible says we only pray to God. Some people believe you can pray to saints and to angels, and if God had granted such a thing, then we would be allowed to do it. But he says not to do it. It doesn't mean that it couldn't be done. In other words, it doesn't mean you couldn't communicate with the saint, but what that would require of the saint would contradict the scripture. The saint would have to stand in a place before Jesus, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So they would have to have a role in that mediation, and then the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, the men, man, Christ Jesus. There's only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So that would be against the role of Christ as the Messiah. So when we see Jesus praying, we see Jesus having communication with his Father. Now does that mean that he does not have power in and of himself? Does that mean he does not have his own God abilities? Absolutely not. If I make a request of my wife, which remember the word pray can mean make a request. If I make a request of my wife, that does not mean my wife has a different nature than what I have. Does everybody understand that? So I can make a request from my wife to do something, but that doesn't mean she is now a different nature than me. People of the same nature can request things from each other. Now, why would God the Son on earth request things from God the Father? They are both equally divine in their nature, but why would God the Son pray to the Father and request things from Him? Somebody say the incarnation. He's in flesh right now. He's being our perfect example. Amen? He has humbled Himself not to use His own privileges. That's what Philippians chapter 2 says. Please go there quickly. The Philippians passage teaches us how we ought to look at when we see Jesus in the gospel, going to verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6. Talking about Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, what? God. So Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, I know I have the whole congregation saying it with me. I'm going to stick here till I hear everybody say God, G-O-D. Don't say it as a curse word. Don't say, oh, Dios mio, when you shouldn't, okay? Say it properly in church. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature, God. Thank you, congregation. He is in very nature, God. That is his nature. You have a nature. I have a nature. Your dog has a nature. The ant, the insect has a nature. Jesus's nature is very God. That's who he is. But now notice the next part of this uh, verse. Who did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own what? Advantage. If God the Son in the flesh used his deity to his advantage, is he an example now for humans in nature? No. Because you cannot do what God does. You could not do what God does. But if Jesus, God the Son, takes on flesh and then dials his divinity power, he he dials back his privileges as deity to now equal humanity, is he an example to us? When I wrestle my child, I am now an example to him of another 10-year-old. When I wrestle Lucas, I do not wrestle him like I would a man and throw him outside of my trampoline. Amen? Because we wrestle on the trampoline. I don't pick him up and throw him outside the trampoline. I dial down my strength to right where a 10 or 11-year-old would be. Everybody tracking with me. So now I'm an example to him in that sport, in that endeavor. Jesus doesn't stop being God, but he dials back his privileges, his abilities as God to not use to his advantage, but to be like us. Verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So he's very nature God, and then at a certain point he takes on the very nature of humanity. Amen? Now, let's just answer this very simply. Why does he pray? Why does God the Son pray to God the Father? Because God the Son is in flesh showing us the example of how to communicate with God the Father. As I said before, do we expect Jesus to be an atheist and set an example to us as someone who doesn't pray? someone who doesn't talk to God, someone who doesn't ask God for help, is that going to be an example to us? No, so him coming down, literally as the Bible says, as the second Adam, the reset of human history. God now sets an example for us. So he prays. Yes, he communicates with God the Father and he asks things of him. The next objection, going back to that uh, notes, please. In the passage, you'll see it says here that eternal life is to know you the only true God. Now notice, and Jesus Christ. It would be blasphemy to say salvation belongs to God and anything other than God. The scripture says salvation belongs to the Lord alone. So the very fact that salvation belongs to believing in the only true God and Jesus Christ shows there that Jesus must be equal to God. Now that is something that I can show clearly throughout the book of John and the chapters that we've already gone through. But once again, just in that passage alone, If Jesus believes that the Father is the only true God, does that take away from him being also the only true God? No, because persons can share nature. The Father is not another God. So in other words, do we expect Jesus not to pray and to be an atheist? Or if he does pray, do we want him to be a polytheist, believing in multiple gods? Does Jesus believe his nature makes him a separate God to the Father? That's not what he believes. How does Jesus teach us? He is equal with the Father, sharing the same exact nature as the Father. So if the Father's nature qualifies him to be the only true God, that does not mean there are not other persons like the Father who are the only true God. Go to to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This scripture, people think... Con- contradicts the Trinity but it actually confirms the Trinity. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 is known as the Shema. it's a prayer to God from the Israelites. Shema means here hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is the Lord is what? one. that word one mean does one does not mean one person it means one in nature, a God. How do I know that? Go to Genesis chapter 2. When the the Lord creates Adam and Eve and says these two shall become one, does that mean there's no longer two persons? No, they are same in nature. Or excuse me, does that now mean that those two persons have two separate natures? No, continue on to where it says that two become one. Keep going down. I believe it's going to be right here. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. There we go. Look at verse 24. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become how many flesh? One flesh. The same author of the Torah, the, the, the first five books, the Pentateuch of the Old Testament is Moses. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That means the way he uses his words matter. The same one who wrote Genesis wrote Deuteronomy. Are you guys listening to me? One does not mean singular in person. That word one also means one nation of Israel. Are there just, is there just one person in the one nation of Israel? Somebody say the one and the many. This is a philosophical discussion. and It is only answered in the Trinity of how there can be one in one way and many in another way. Is Metro Praise Congregation today one congregation or multiple congregations? One congregation. Metro Praise Chicago is one congregation. But are there multiple persons in the one congregation? Are there many persons here? Amen. So there is the one that we mean as a whole, and then there is a many that we mean as individuals. When God the Father is called the only true God, he is not speaking in the sense of only one person being God. What is being said there, there is only one nature of God, and the Father has it, and you can rightly call him God. Another example of this is how many human natures are there? How many human natures are there? I know your neighbor might be a different nature to you sometimes, right? But let's just be honest. There's only one human nature. But how many persons are humans? Many. Everybody say many. Thank you. So it's the one and the many. Now going back to our scripture, what do we expect Jesus to be here? Do we want him to be an atheist that does not talk to his father? Of course not. He's there to show us the example as he talks to the father. Then on the other hand, do we want him to be a polytheist that tries to distinguish himself, differentiate himself from the deity of the Father, that he has a deity that is different as the Son. Absolutely not. So when you read this prayer, do not allow the cults or other religions to take from the beauty of it and to distort it. This is a beautiful prayer that shows us the insight of the relationship between the Father and the Son that has existed for eternity. And now the son in the flesh has humbled himself and has now taken upon the role of a man to show us what it's like to serve God. He's been doing this with parables and mystery all the way up until this point. But right at the end of last week's lesson, at the end of the chapter, he said, I will not talk to you figuratively anymore. And then the disciple said, we get it now. You know everything. That means you're God to us now. You have knowledge that's impossible for any human to have. He is now going to show them how he prays. And as he shows us how he prays, the Lord's prayer we're going to see not only his relationship with the father but the eternal plan that is now enacted upon humanity how God has always wanted to be with humanity to have a relationship with us to walk with us as we were created in the Garden of Eden but we were separated because of sin we're now going to see how John 316 was planned out before he came for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son we are are now going to see why that happened. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's get into it now. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Notice the mutual glorification between the Father and the Son. No one deserves the glory of God except God Himself. And so the Son is saying He shares in that glory. For you granted Him authority over all people that He might give them, might give eternal life to all those you have given Him. So notice this relationship between the Father and the Son is going to be one giving and another one receiving. And so those who had been believing in the message before Jesus came are now going to begin to follow Jesus and what is going to be known as a new covenant. Now he defines what this is going to look like. It's not going to look like just laws and the the tabernacle or religious things that the Old Testament saints did. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like eternal life. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you you have sent. Notice the equality that Jesus shares with the Father to be put into the same sentence of what eternal life is. That reminds us again in John chapter 1 where he says, uh, the author John speaking about Jesus said, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus Christ is the distributor of the life of God and now if you believe in the Father, you believe in the Son, you get life and if you look back to those previous chapters, where Where does that life come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit as a river of life. How many remember those scriptures? If you believe on me, as the scripture says, you shall have a river of life flowing through you. This he spake of the Holy Spirit. And now you see how it works. It's from the Father to the Son by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Notice that in the relationship between the Father and the Son, the Son son listened to the commands of the Father. That does not mean that Jesus is not equal to the Father. Just as if my children listen to my commands doesn't mean they're of a different nature than me as the Father. Amen? Amen? If I give my children commands, that does not mean they're no longer humans. Humans can command one another and still be equal as humans. Father is commanding Son, and Father and Son are equal as God. Father and Son, as we learned previously, will command the Holy Spirit, and Father and Son are equal with the Holy Spirit. This is the family of God. This is the Godhead. This is the nature of God, and this is what has been revealed through all of Scripture in types and shadows. As Abraham, as we'll learn by God's grace today in the second service in Hebrews, was commanded to sacrifice his own son as the servants were there to assist and to help if needed. Here we see the Father will give of his son as the Holy Spirit assists in this endeavor. This is eternal life, to know the one and true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me In your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Who but God had glory equal to the Father before the world began? When the world began, that now gave place and space for angels and humans to be. The world there encompassing not just what we would call the earth, but the universe and all that is created in all realms, heavenly and in the natural. How can anyone dwell in that place where God alone dwells in glory unless you are equal with God? Where would an angel dwell if there is no heavenly realm? Oh, the angel's just going to be inside of God. No, no, no. Only God has God inside of him or with him. Only God's presence and essence is with him. No angel can just be just hanging out with God. You have to, even humans, when we give birth through procreation, a human is in another human, equal to each other in nature. But there is impossible for an angel to exist unless there's a place for an angel to exist that is not God's essence. So when God created the heavens, he gave a place for angels. When God created the earth, he gave a place for matter, space, and time. Can I hear an amen? But Jesus says, I am now coming to receive back the glory I had in your presence before everything began. Now do you understand why in John 1, 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In R K, in the beginning, is to bring you back to the Genesis, in the beginning. So before there was ever waters and the Spirit over the deep, before there was ever a sun, a moon, a stars, there is God. Amen? And Jesus is there with the Father in His presence sharing in his glory what a beautiful understanding of their relationship and what Jesus is soon to go through I wish I could have timed the the messages of Jesus's death burial and resurrection with the Easter time but I wasn't able to but we will be getting into the crucifixion of Jesus Lord willing in the next few weeks understand this Jesus is about ready to face this But for the glory set before him, for understanding the plan, he will say, not my will, but your will be done. He will sacrifice the human will so that the divine will of God may be accomplished. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So anyone who questions that the Father and Son are equal now have to explain to us how a mere creature, because if Jesus is not God, he, if he is not the creator, he is the creation. Explain to us how a creation can exist before creation and be in the presence of God and sharing God's glory. Isn't that just ridiculous to assume that that could be done? A creature, by definition, has been created, and yet Jesus is there before all creation. Verse 6, I have revealed you to those you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Notice, that this is the gift and the receiver. This is the giver and the receiver, the one that has the gift and the one receiving the gift. All of this is from the Father, and he gives it to his son. This is the divine privilege that God has in Jesus, the God-man. The God-man will now receive everything that Adam and Eve had lost and will now do it right. See, Adam and Eve were given dominion and authority, but they lost it. And that's why when Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil said, if you worship me, I'll give you all these things. And Jesus does not argue with him. Satan had all of those things because those things had been given to man and man gave it to the enemy. Now Jesus is saying, I am receiving those things now directly from you and I will obey you. It's because I obey and I listen. And so this is going to be the defeat of Satan. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. So the Father has given to his Son all of these things. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Can I hear an amen? amen. See, that is a Christian. That is a believer. That is someone who understands who the Father, Son, and Spirit are. Verse 9, I pray for them. Now think about this. Jesus now prays for his apostles. I am not praying for the world. So he says, I'm not praying for sinners. I'm not praying for Pilate right now. I'm not praying for those in the east and uh, the religions of in, you know, Hinduism in India or in China or those in the Goss in Europe. And I'm not praying for the Vikings right now. It's, this is very direct. And what a privilege this is. He said, I'm not praying for the world, but I am praying for those you have given me. He prays for his saints, his holy ones, for they are yours. Now notice this right here. This is another statement of Jesus' divinity. All I have is yours. And every creature could say that, but notice the next part that no creature could say, only one equal with God could say, and all you have is, what does Jesus say? And all you have is, can anyone here say that all that God has is yours? Of course not. I have all that God has in knowledge. I have all that God, and it's blasphemy. I have all that God has in power and authority. Of course not. But notice this. Jesus and the Father share these things. It's not that the Father will die on the cross, but the Father will receive the glory from the cross. It's not that the Father has eaten and drank with men as Jesus has, but the Father will receive glory from all the compassion of Jesus. They share In each other's glory. And Jesus, though he is not the father, shares in all the father has. He is the direct revelation of the father, the stamp, as it were, the character in the Greek. He is the direct stamp of the father. When you have seen Jesus, you have seen what the father is like. And glory has come to me through them. So he's receiving worship and glory. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. I am coming to you. I'm coming home, Father. Holy Father. Notice how he speaks to his father with so much respect. He'll also call him later righteous father. And this is good for us. If Jesus prayed like this, how do you know? I mean, how much more, don't you think we should pray like this? I mean, you got to pray like this. Holy Father. Not the Pope. And it makes me so upset when they call men these terms, Holy Father. No, no, no. Only God is the Holy Father. Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, Yahweh, the great I am. Remember what he said he is. Before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, Yeshua, having the name of God in it, Yahweh says, so that they may be one as we are one. I've had to correct various heretics that think this statement means that disciples will be one with God as Jesus is one with God. But notice where our unity is. Our unity is not in the equality of father and son, but with the equality of brother and sister. Amen? So that they may be one as we are one. That's why it's not blasphemous for me to use examples and compare them to God's nature because he's the one that made family to represent his image, father, mother, child, father, son, spirit. These examples are there for us to understand the family of God, not as in male, female, and so forth. God transcends those things. But we are to see a unity in God, and that unity is to be expressed in the unity of men. Amen? And that's why we are to be one. That's why we are to be in agreement. That's why we are to serve one another. Verse 12, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Judas is not catching anybody off guard. Amen. 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 Judas had been prophesied through the struggles of David that one who ate with him would betray him. This is a prophecy, and then that seat that would be left vacant would be filled. I believe that comes from the Apostle Paul. Verse 13 again. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. How many want the full measure of God's joy within you today? Amen. That is a beautiful promise that even though we don't see Jesus right now, we can have Jesus's joy with us. Well, how is that accomplished? That's accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15, verse 26, when the advocate comes, when the Spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, all throughout those chapters we've been through, the Holy Spirit will bring the Father and the Son, and they, plural, will make their abode with us. That's why we can say that God is with us now because the Holy Spirit is with us. If the Holy Spirit is here and he's inseparable in nature from the Father and the Son, then where the Holy Spirit is, the Father and Son are in their nature. But their persons, where they dwell, is in heaven. But their nature that they share is now in us by the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have the fullness of joy. The Spirit of God is with us. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. You see, the Bible says that you must be born again but not of flesh and blood, but of the Spirit. Just go there quickly in John 3. See how important the role of the Spirit is. Jesus has already spoken about it in those three chapters previous, 14, 15, and 16. But go back to John and see how this comes about. Being born again means to be born of the Spirit. Verse 5, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the what? The Spirit's flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone born of the what? The Spirit. Thank you. So notice that. The Spirit of God is that which makes us otherworldly. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an alien. You're a stranger in a strange place. I'm not talking about calling La Migra. You know I would never do that. But I'm saying right now, we are aliens in this place. We are now strangers in this world. This is not our home. I can even go so far as to say, if you've tracked with me, that there is a kind known as God and that kind of Nature is shared by Father, Son, and Spirit, and there is a human kind, just like there is a God kind, but there is a human kind shared by multiple persons. Do you know now there is a different kind of human? There is another race of humans. All of us in the natural, in the physical, have come from Adam and Eve, so there's one race, the human race. Racism is stupid, but there is a different spiritual race. One that has been born of God and the other one that is still dead is separated from God. You are a holy hente. You are a new people. You are a holy priesthood. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. You belong to a different spiritual race and all Human cultures, though there's only one race, remember that the human race, but there are multiple cultures and people have called those races, according to the Bible, every human culture can come into the new spiritual race. Look at Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2 talks about who we are and what we are to God and how we are to live. It's so beautiful. Chapter 2 verse 9, but you are a what kind of people? A chosen people. A royal what? Priesthood. A holy what? Nation. God's special possession. This is not for everybody. This is only for Christians. These are only for those who are Christ's followers that you may declare the praises of him, watch this, who called you out of darkness. Sinners are in a dark spiritual place. They are a different kind of spirit. Their kind of spirit is darkness. How many have been there before? Amen. And now we are no longer there. We are called out of darkness into his what? Wonderful light. Once you were not a people... Well, I thought I was a person before I met Jesus. Yeah, but you weren't his people. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You are the race of God. You are the hente of God. You are the kind of God. You are godly, godlike, like God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And go quickly to John since we've been through it. It's another confirmation of the same concept. John chapter 1. Look at John chapter 1 as we learn about the people of God, the children of God, the unique spiritual ones who are not like the world. In John, uh, in John chapter 1, looking at verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of what? children of God. Thank you. Children born not of natural descent. That's what had to happen for these babies to come up here today. Amen. Some natural things had to happen that way, but that's not of natural descent, the Bible says, or of a human decision or the husband's will. And can I hear an amen from all the men here? I love what this one meme said on Mother's Day. Even on Mother's Day, you need to thank fathers because the mom wasn't in the mood. Okay? Now, let's just be honest. The women weren't mostly in the mood, so if it wasn't for the man doing his thing, there would be no Mother's Day. So this is not based on natural descent, human sexuality. It's not on a human's decision, let's make a baby, or the husband's will. Come on, honey, let's get it on. But born of God. Amen? How are we given the new kind of spirit? How do we enter into a new humanity? We enter in by God. It is God alone by the Spirit who births us into the kingdom of God. And so it is exclusive in the sense that no one can become a child of God without Jesus, but it's inclusive to every nation, tribe, and tongue, male and female, young and old. Amen? So everyone today be born again if you have not yet been born again. Going back to our scripture, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. See, now we are of Jesus. We are born of Jesus. We are Jesus' kind of people. Does everybody get that? Because I have like four other scriptures I can cross reference right now, but I think you get it. But another one is that in John or in Romans chapter 8, where we were hearing today that we're more than conquerors, it said that he was the firstborn among many brothers that we may now share in his inheritance. So as the son of God, he now makes us sons and daughters of God. That was one of the privileges that happened. When he took on flesh, he became the seed. Listen to it in the Greek. He became the sperma of the father and reproduced himself upon the earth. So we are born again of the spirit by the word, the sperm of the Father. And don't think sexually here. The sperm of the Father being His Word because it was His very Word that made plants grow to have seed. Where did seed come from? It came from the Word of God. So the Word is the seed of the Father, but it's not just a spoken word. It's also a person. And so Jesus was planted by the Father with His Word to make us His sons and daughters. So you receive Jesus. You receive the Word from the Father both in the person of who Jesus is and in the declaration of all that the Father has spoken. Amen? So the word of God is alive and active in us as his teachings are regarded and as a person. Jesus is in me and I am no longer of this world. That's why the world hates us, the Bible says. Now verse 15, I love Jesus here because we might want to interrupt a prayer, but notice what he says. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Well, Jesus, if they hate us, take us home. Let, let the altar call be the, the beam me up Scotty. So the moment I get saved, beam them up. We got another one. Here's another one. Beam them up. No, no, no. He said, I don't pray you take them out of the world, but you protect them. Now, notice this here. He doesn't say that you protect them from persecution. In the prior verses, the Bible has already promised to us, in this world, you will have trouble but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. How many remember that? So he's not saying that I will now give them a bubble and no one can persecute him. No, the prayer is here for Christians to live in the midst of trials and tribulations, but for us to be protected from the devil who would want to steal our soul. And so as he said, Jesus said, they may kill your body, but they cannot kill your soul. Do not fear those who can only do temporary things to your body, but fear the one who can kill the body and the soul eternally. How many have heard that before from Jesus? Now you can tie that together. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. Set them apart by the truth. Your word is truth. And we heard that in Peter, that we are God's special possession As you have sent me into the world. Remember, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And we all cheer for Jesus. Yay, Jesus, you were sent. You were sent for me. I have sent them into the world. The same place that has hated me that you told me I had to go to, I'm sending them to that place. How many feel like you're sent into the world and they oftentimes don't like you? How many feel like God has sent you there? God brought you on that job. God brought you to that family. Some of you are going to be seeing them this weekend, right? God has sent you there. There's a reason why they don't take all 20 uh, of of the street lights and put them on one corner. There's a reason why they spread them out so that light can be evenly distributed. There's a reason why your family doesn't have 100% of Christians. God is allowing you to be the Christian there. Now, it's not, I mean, it's not to say you shouldn't have a good desire for all of us to be Christians. Of course, that's for me and my house, will serve the Lord. But don't think it's strange if you're the first one out of your bunch to get saved or the first one out of your family or the first one on your job or the first one because God is planting you there to shine the light and see yourself as being sent there. Don't see it as an accident. It's not an accident that all my friends were skateboarders and drug dealers. That's not an accident. I was sent there by God to be a light. And so don't hide your light, as the Bible says, under a bushel or under a table. Don't hide it. Let your light shine like a city on a hill. For them, notice this, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. What a blessing. Jesus says, I live holy so that they can be holy. I've kept your word so that they can keep your word. Do you see the example of Christ here? I said, do you see the example of Christ, brothers and sisters? Highlight that. For them, I sanctify myself. This right here, brother, shows that Jesus has faced every trial and temptation you and I will ever face, and he's always done the right thing. He said he did that for you so that you could do the right thing. Sisters, same thing. Any trial or test you will ever face, Jesus says, I have done that for you so that now you can be holy in those situations. So none of us will ever face temptation alone. None of us will ever go through trials and tests alone. Jesus went through it so that he could show what Adam and Eve failed at he could accomplish. In other words, everyone get this. He showed that he didn't create no junk. Because some people would say, well, if God made Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve sinned and brought us into this problem, then it's God's fault. And God is saying, no, I'll take on an earth suit and show you how you guys could have did it. And and he says, I'm not going to use one more measure on the dial than what they had. I will limit all of my decisions, all of my abilities to perfectly what a human had. And I will show you I didn't create no junk. So in other words, think about that. When he is saying, not my will, but your will be done, that's a real battle in his heart. Adam and Eve couldn't even get their diet right, let alone lay down their life for their enemies. Think about that. They couldn't even say no to that that, that, uh, trace light chase that my wife just made, you know. They couldn't even say no to that temptation. Seriously, y'all keep giving my wife these good recipes, and I keep putting them all right here, you know. Man, that trace light chase is fire, man. Uh, Joby's wife gave that to us, Karina, man, so good. And it's like, you know, we can't even say no to that, and then we're expected to do all these other things. Jesus said, I'm going to show you it can be done based on the principles that I gave you from the very beginning. So that's why Jesus is our example. I don't take this lightly. When I talk to people about sanctification, living holy, I show them verses like this, and I say, if you do not hold to this kind of a teaching, you are denying something about Christ now. In other words, if you do not believe as a born-again Christian you can keep all of God's commands, then you're saying Jesus is lying right here. Do you understand how your life is supposed to reflect Jesus? And if you try to make excuses for your sin, you're actually coming against the doctrines of who Christ is and the doctrines of what Christ accomplished. It's a serious thing for you to say, I can't live holy or I can't overcome sin or he doesn't understand. That is implicating him here in a lie. And he's not lying. He said, I, for them, I sanctify myself. He didn't have to. He was already holy, but he put himself in this world where the temptation was, where the devil could affect him, where demons could lie to him, where fears could attack him. And he said, I sanctify myself for them, that they too may be truly sanctified. Verse 20, now praise God he didn't just pray for the first disciples. Notice this. My prayer is not for them alone. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, Jesus prayed for me. Here's what you get prayed for right here. I don't just pray for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. One generation to another to another, the baton has been passed. And, of course, Jesus, looking at all of human history, prays for all of us here knowing that the message would go from the Middle East to Africa, then to Europe, then across to Asia, to the other parts of the world. And now he can see every nation, tribe, and tongue. And he says, I pray also for those like Jason, like Isaiah, like you. I pray for them because they're going to believe in the message through these disciples that all of them may be one. This is the communion of the saints. It's not talking to them and trying to ask them for prayer requests. The communion of the saints, as the church fathers understood it, is that we are all one congregation. Any true Christian is in the congregation of God today, whether they're alive or already in heaven. So though we say Metro Praise International or this church over here, this church, no, there's only one body of Christ. Amen? Amen. And we are all one, but not only just those who are alive, but those who have now passed on who are alive in God's presence. We are one with them. We are one with Moses. We are one with Abraham. We serve the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We serve the God of Moses and Aaron. We serve the God of the prophets, Elijah and Elisha. May all of them be one, Father, just as you are in me and I in you. May they also be in us. Now notice this, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The unity within the Trinity welcomes humanity. Can I say that again? The unity of the Trinity now welcomes humanity. Looking at that triangle there, Father, Son, and Spirit, and because of that, I can be in him. Because of that, I can be in a relationship with the triune God. Because of what Jesus did for me, now I can share in that unity. Now, you ready for something that's going to blow your mind? You ready for this? May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent to me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. A little bit of rhyming there, huh? Now go quickly with me to First Peter and see what God just spoke there and how powerful it is. Some of you got it. Some of you didn't get it. How many just got the tremendous blessing of what was just shared there? A few of you don't lie if you didn't get it because I might call on you. How many just understood there were some amazing things said there? I'm going to share it to you very quickly, but I can't go into the depth of it, and I recommend you studying more on this when you have time. But go to Second Peter, rather, Second Peter chapter two, verse uh, three, and notice what Jesus says through the Apostle Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him and who called us by his own glory and goodness. Notice this. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the what? Don't don't let the karaoke screen mess you up. It's 2 Peter Brothers, chapter 1, verses 3 and onward. What does it say in your Bible? Get your Bible open, young man. I want every Bible open. That you may participate in what? Don't get lazy and expect this to work for you every time. That you may participate in what? The divine nature. Everyone get out your Bibles. Everybody. Don't take my word for it. Shut this off, please. Got me fired up right now. I don't like it when it gets quiet because they don't do their job or couldn't hear me correctly. And I, I thank you, brothers, for being back there. But I don't need that. You understand? I said, do you understand? I need you to memorize this. Because some of you don't understand the seriousness of it. That through them, you may participate in what? Thank you, brothers and sisters, for trusting your pastor today to pull out your Bible. Do it every time I ask you to turn to a scripture from this point on. Don't come to the church expecting them to do it. You understand? Amen. That's lazy. I appreciate them doing it. Don't expect them to do it. The reason is you need to know how to work your word because it will work for you because I'm not following you tomorrow on your job. You memorize all this? You don't know all this. You need to do it here in the church. You need to highlight it in the church. You need to get out your app and get this because everything the devil's trying to do has to do with what I'm talking about right now and I won't be distracted by it. Everything we face right now has to do with our identity and who we are. People want to fight over their race, their natural skin color, do they not? I am this. I come from these people. This is my identity. I was born, then they go into the transgender stuff. I was born as a man in a woman's body, a woman in a man's body. And they fight and they they destroy that which God has given them. They fight against what God gave them. They don't know their identity. And yet Jesus says in this prayer, Father, because of what I'm doing, I now want you to share the glory you've given me with them. If you didn't know better, you would think that was blasphemy because now you heard it directly from Peter that you may participate in the divine nature. Every cult has a seed of truth in it. The Mormons have a seed of truth, and you know what that is? That humanity can participate in divinity. Kanye West calling himself a God. Jay-Z, the rest calling themselves a God. There is a seed of truth in that. Because if you are the son of a human, what are you in your nature? A human. If you're the son of a God, what are you in your nature? Or at least God-like. Sons and daughters, you are no longer in the new nature, merely human. You are something unique. You are a human sharing in the nature of God. This is what they built pyramids for. This is why there was Sphinxes. This is why people worshiped their emperors because they thought that there would be one of them that would be special. Maybe this one would be special. And yet the Bible says he blows all of that up and he says everyone here who is born again in Christ gets to share in Christ's Glory. That is a big deal, brothers and sisters. You will never, listen to me, you will never fight, though you deserve every right in this world, but you will never fight like the world does over your race when you understand you participate in the divine nature. When I hear people put down Italians right now, I'm like, whatever, I don't care. I belong to another nature. When this human body goes, I'm going to be shining brighter than the sun. Are you listening to me? Oh, I don't like Americans. I don't like It don't matter if you don't like Americans. I'm born of the kingdom of God. I'm a kingdom citizen. I know who I am. I'm not I, I want equality. I want America to succeed, but I am not here to put American flag everywhere I go. I'm here to plant the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you understand that, brothers and sisters, you will be able to impact the world. Yes, we can fight for equality. Yes, we can see America become great again as it follows the principles of God, not of an adulterer. But listen, I'm here to share this with you. Your greatest weaknesses, my greatest weaknesses, our arguments, our fights, everything that we deal with in this world, our greed, our insecurity, our lack of confidence, our not understanding our purpose here has to do with us not dancing with the divine. Because if you don't understand how to participate in the very glory and nature of God, you will be deceived by the garbage of this world. You are called to be like God. Think about that. Everything was from Him and through Him and for Him. And what does He want to do? Bring us into Himself. Not that the distinguishment becomes we are God, not that far. But up until that full extent until that line is crossed. In other words, I am as much like God in Christ Jesus as I can be without being God Himself. That's what it means to participate. In the divine nature. I've had people think think I'm going too far with it. And I've asked them to explain what does it mean to participate in the divine nature. What does it mean to be given the glory of Jesus that was given to him by the Father. And their understanding of that fails pitifully. And it's those same ones who live in sin all the time. It's those same ones that don't really accomplish much for God. It's because they don't understand their authority, their role, their identity, and who they are in Christ. The Christian is Christ-like. The Christian is God-like. You want to know what God is like? Look in the mirror if you're living for Jesus. If you don't live for Jesus, look at me. You'll know what God's like. I like what one preacher said. It's a little bit sassy, but it fits the mood I'm in right now. He said, if you get to a place and you think it's heaven and I'm not there, you're not in heaven. You're in hell. That's what some of y'all need to get down to. You need to have a Holy Ghost swag that says, You have no idea what God is. I'm like Him. I've been made like Him. I have His glory resided in me right now. That doesn't give us pride to do whatever we want, it gives us the ability, the supernatural ability to live like Him. The Bible literally says that He makes us kings and priests, He gives us thrones to rule on. He's the king of all kings, but there's other kings there, baby. Are you listening? There's other kings that are there. And that's why it gets me so fired up when I see people living beneath their calling, thinking as if Christianity is boring while they're chasing these other things in this world. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, not just because you're supposed to be humble and pious and live somewhere in an abbot or a monastery, but seeking the kingdom of God is for all the glory of God. There is no conqueror who has ever had what the kingdom of God gives. There is no explorer. There is no inventor. There is no millionaire, billionaire, if there ever was a trillionaire that can compare to the glories of the kingdom of God. When he's saying, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, he's saying that based on your need to want fulfillment, He's not saying you're not going to have needs. He's not saying you won't have desires. He's not saying you won't have a a, a passion for things in life. He just says you filter it through the kingdom of God because it has no end of riches. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It has no depletion of power. He's more powerful than every military general. It has no lack of wisdom. The very wisdom of God upholds the entire universe. You'll never stop exploring it as long as you're alive. And I believe for fun, we'll keep exploring it. Bible teaches us, thank you, brother, that we are here to impact the world with the glory of God. Going back to our notes, please. How many are going to use your Bible next week because it's pretty exciting? Amen. Never trust me more than you trust your Bible. Never trust them more than you trust your Bible. Learn how to have your Bible. It's your weapon. I love how when they get these soldiers uh, training. I don't know if they do anymore, sister. you got to tell me if they still do the blindfold test with the Marines and their weapons. But I saw those movies, you know. Blindfold the Marines. they got to take their weapons apart and put it back together. This is my weapon. You know, they have them chant these things. This is my weapon. This will protect me. You need to know the word of the Lord. When it says, I have given them the glory you gave me, that doesn't now mean we become gods. It just means in Jesus, we share in the glory of God, and we never were supposed to. We never had the right to, but he gives us the right to be now sons and daughters. So as close as we can get to divinity and still remain in humanity is what heaven has for us. You want some things that will blow your mind? Study the ancient church doctrine of the theosis. Because he became the kenosis, we now can become the theosis. Because he became a man, we now can become God. Athanasius said that, and people gasp and say, what do you mean we become God? No, we become one with him in his essence, not just his energies. Athanasius was the one who defended the Trinity ferociously during the time of the Arians. But he wrote in the deity of Christ that something's transformed in humanity when Jesus became a man. He said it also like this, he, God. Became what we were man, so that man might become what he is godlike or godly. Are you tracking with me? We are not teaching pluralities of gods or polytheism. What we are teaching is the height of man's exaltation and glorification is as high as you can imagine and only short of God's nature Himself. So, why was Satan trying to exalt to our place? That was our place to be next to the Father and the Son because he was jealous. Angels were made to be servants of the creatures of of the sons and daughters of God. Just like how animals are our servants in the natural world, angels were meant to be our servants in the spiritual world. And we submitted ourselves to one and gave him the mindset that he thinks he has more power than he really does. But thank God Jesus became like us to whoop him on our behalf so that now we can crush him in the name of Jesus and have power and authority over that lying devil and every single demon. That's why as a Christian, I don't fear demons. Demons fear me. I love what one dude said about going to college or going to the streets. I can't remember what it was, but it was a saying that was a meme. His mama said, Be careful. There's a lot of issues out there. There's a lot of bad people out there. And he said, Mama, you better tell them to be careful because I'm stronger than all of them. <laughs> That's how we are to the devil. In the name of Jesus, not outside the name of Jesus, but in the name of Jesus, what they're afraid of should be afraid of me. What your neighbor is afraid of and goes to a psychic for is what is afraid of me. I got all these problems and these spirits messing with Can you help me? What they're afraid of is afraid of me. And afraid of you, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, so that we may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent to me. See, that's how the world will know. It's when you're living like Jesus that you have sent me and have loved me and have even uh, loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you. I know you. And though they know you have sent me, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Father is in Jesus. Jesus is in us. Can you stand up and give it up for the Lord today? Amen. Altar workers and band, would you come please? Second service. Thank you for your patience. Father, we ask you now in the name of Jesus to save those who are lost in this place. If you don't know Jesus, confess him today as Lord. Repent of your sins. For the rest of us who already know Jesus, ask him to glorify his name in you today. Ask Jesus to use you for his glory and to pour out your life to be a blessing to others and that wherever you go, you will let people know about who Jesus is and what he did on our behalf. For as we pray this in his name, the name above every name, Jesus, the Son of the living God. And everybody said amen and amen. Can you bless him one more time? Saints, we love you. God bless you. We're going to dismiss out this side door. Worship